Mission Chats with John Crow. Welcome back to Mission Chats. Once again, I'm excited to get to know someone who I'm basically just meeting as we roll this episode out. And so I welcome uh, Dirk Smith to the podcast and looking forward to hearing a bit more about his story. He serves with Eastern European Mission, but I'm not going to steal too much of his story. So Dirk, I'm just going to get us rolling and I'd love to hear, you know, your backstory, how you got involved in missions, back to your salvation, but also, you know, how the Lord prompted your heart to do what you're doing today. Thank you, John. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Good to meet you. I'm looking forward to our time together as well. Yeah, backstory. It's uh, as all of us, we're on journeys. We're mm-hmm. we're never done. God's never done with us. Yeah. So mine started. I uh, I got out of college, my undergrad, and I got into healthcare consulting in the Dallas area. I was uh, your your listeners can't see this, but I'm wearing my Philadelphia Eagles hat right. here. So I, I was born in Philadelphia. So I come by this naturally. I was born in Philadelphia, right. grew up in South Jersey, and but finished my undergrad and and went to the Dallas area, which is a great place for an Eagles fan to be. In yeah. Dallas, was there for 11 years and worked in healthcare consulting. Mm-hmm. And all three of my kids, my adult kids, were born there. So I have a daughter who's 31. I've got twin boys who are 28. Really enjoyed the healthcare consulting end of it. Then a headhunter found me and pulled me back up to the Northeast with the uh, blessing, the endorsement from my wife, who (laughs) was a a Texan. So we moved back up to the Philadelphia area, and I worked with a management consulting firm there, working with the venture capital community. I won't get into all the details. It was a lot of fun working with a lot of emerging growth, emerging technology, biotech companies. Then there was just this pull on my heart. And I remember saying to my wife, you know, when I'm 80 something years old or whenever God decides to call me home and to say, okay, let's get you to the next part of eternity here. Do I want to be laying on my bed and look back at my life and say, man, I made a lot of people a lot of money because that's what I was doing. And yes, I enjoy business operations. I enjoy all of that. But just for me, there was this moment of, could I use whatever gifts and talents God has given me in that area mm-hmm. and combine it with kingdom. Right. Is that possible? Is there anything out there? And so I began praying about that and talking to her and that led me in a nonprofit. The first was my alma mater, which is a faith-based institution, a higher education institution called me and said, man, we need help raising money. And I'll be honest, John, I thought, Phew, I'd rather run razor blades up my fingernails. Who wants to do that? Yeah. But you know, we prayed about it and prayed about it. And boy, we threw out the fleece and they came back wet and dry. And finally, God torched the altar altogether and just said, listen, not the only thing you can do, but I'm I'm with you. You yeah. can serve me in this. And I did that for seven years. I grew in that seven years to absolutely love the profession of fundraising. Yeah. It was a very frustrating seven years. I call it my seven years in the desert okay. because- there was not a lot being done right in the area of fundraising. And one of one of the things that I was blessed with, uh, God plopped in my lap a mentor who was absolutely the best. Uh, he was the senior vice president of development for Texas A&M. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so I was learning at his feet, you yeah. know, at about three or four times a year for seven years. So anyway, I went with my alma mater. And then as that frustration rose and I realized, okay, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, EEM came knocking. And I thought man, what is the downside of this? And for your listeners who don't know, EEM publishes, prints, and distributes Bibles and Bible-based materials. Last year, we distributed it into 35 different countries and 26 different languages, all free of charge. And I thought, what's the downside of giving people Bibles who are asking for them, who've never had one in their heart language? (laughs) Man, (laughs) 
I can't mess that up. Right. I mean, that's just, that's phenomenal. And so this is my 12th year with EEM and it, it's been fantastic. Salvation wise, so that's kind of my call to mission. But you know, it's an interesting question, John, in that I think all of us, unless we live a monastical existence, we're called to missions. Mm. Amen. We mission to anybody God puts in our path. Right. And we are called to love them and just love them right where they are and uh, call them to his light, call them into his light and to be that, to be the light and salt. And I love Jesus's analogy there of light and salt. Sometimes we really get that messed up, but you know, both light and salt, if you think about it, if light is too bright, it's blinding and it's mm -hmm. offensive. It's offensive. If it's not there, we knock around. I mean, the only time we recognize light is when there's too much or there's too little. The only time we recognize salt is when there's too much or there's too little. When it's done well, Nobody walks into a room and says, wow, the light in here is just perfect. And nobody really tastes food and says, oh, the salt in this is just pristine. Right. It is. They just go, the food is great. Or they say, man, I love the ambiance in this room. I love the feel of this room. And you know, isn't that what we're called to be? That's it, yeah. is to not be one or the other, to be just love. So I'm a PK. Okay. My dad was a preacher, pastor, and and didn't want to do that when I when I talked to my wife, which was very interesting. When I talked to her about this whole having this epiphany moment, she said, "You don't want to preach, do you?" And right. I said, "No, no, no." <laughs> and she jokingly said, "Well, that's good because I I was going to tell you I'll miss you." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of my a little bit of my my backstory. Now, part of my backstory too that you're you may not know, and I was married for thirty four years. Beautiful, beautiful woman, Wendy, and. She was diagnosed with ALS, uh, battled ALS for about four years and uh, passed away in January after a long battle with ALS. Uh, but I'll tell you, she knew where she was going. And as I tell people, she taught us how to live and she taught us how to die. Wow. She didn't want to go. But, you know, when you're on this earth and you can't serve, you can't really do what you feel like God's calling you to do and you can't enjoy the things that God gives you to enjoy in this life, it's time to go home. And she went very, very peacefully. But that's definitely a part of my story, definitely sure. a part of my journey. But yeah, so that's a little about me. Yeah. Well, thank you. I did see that in your bio. And yeah, I, I didn't want to pry if it wasn't something you wanted to talk about. But I, I'm glad you painted that piece of your of your life's picture as well. Uh, I can only can't imagine what that's like. But yeah, I know the Lord has a, a plan for each of us. And it's not always uh, what we would choose. Uh, but well, that's yeah. exactly right. None of us have a guarantee. And mm -hmm. and I I never come into this. And when I talk to people out there, there's, there's never a woe is me because I'm right. not the only guy that's lost his wife. Mm -hmm. You know, my kids aren't the only kids that lost their mom. And the blessing of it is, and I had a dear friend of mine, who talked to my kids, which was great. You know, he did not have a good mom. He did not have a good dad. He didn't have that situation. And he knew my wife very well. And he looked at him and he said, here's what you guys need to think about. And he looked at my daughter and he said, you're what, 31? You had your mom for 31 years. Do you know how many of us would have killed right. to have had your mom for a week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd have taken her for a day mm -hmm. just to have, I mean, cause you knew you were loved unconditionally. Mm -hmm. She was mama bear to the T, right. you know, I mean, you knew that. And so, yeah, grief is a part of life, but as the Bible tells us, we don't grieve like those without hope. It's very, very different. Yeah. To say that you don't miss them or, or grieve, that's just dumb. 
you know, that you're going to get over it because that means you stop loving them and that's never going to happen. But yeah, no, I I talk about it very openly and and ALS is just a very, very different journey. It's not like a tragic loss, you know, in somebody's where they kiss their spouse in the morning and then boom, they die. That takes some time to process. Mm -hmm. And I had three years to Mm -hmm. process, you know, because when you get the diagnosis of ALS, it's not like cancer. Even there's no, there's no cure. There's no cure. You're not looking for a cure. You're, you're looking to make them as comfortable as they can and right. love them through the journey. And, and again, that's the blessing of marriage. And that's what we're here to do too. And it was, it was a blessing to serve her. I mean, she was the ultimate servant and it was hard for her. The servant became the served mm-hmm. and uh, that was very difficult for her, but I don't ever mind talking about it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Dirk. I appreciate that. And it's kind of neat. All my guests, I always look back or as, as I'm getting to know them, or if I already know them, a lovely thing about testimonies is that so often we have a, a personal connection to some piece of that story. And, you know, you mentioned you had twins and I've got twin boys as well. So oh, do you really? Oh, and they're great. young adults now. They're, they just turned 20 back in March. And so, yeah, okay. so that's kind of a neat little connection too. Oh, and that's great. I believe your role, your VP over marketing and fundraising. And for a while I served in that capacity with a mission group as well. So, so I'm interested just to hear a little bit more kind of your current ministry focus, what that maybe looks like day in, day out. Maybe looking back, how the Lord, you know, obviously gave you some specific skills to bring into your current role. Hear a little bit about that. It is. It's amazing to watch God, how he moves in your life. And I love operations. I've been in operations for quite a while mm-hmm. in my career and in, in consulting, business consulting. And I geek out on making organizations run efficiently, breaking down bottlenecks and lowering overhead, maximizing, you know, back in the my for-profit days, maximizing profit for shareholders and mm-hmm. and making that the reality. But I also love business development and growing. I'm a builder. Yep. And when I got into fundraising, I realized, man, this is the ultimate because this is real. I mean, this is as sincere as it gets. There's no other profession where somebody you sit down with face to face and they take their heart right out of their chest and set it right in the middle of the table and tell you exactly who they are. And 99.9% of the time, they bless you. You walk away saying, man, this is an iron sharpening iron situation. You make me better. And they become dear, dear friends. I mean, legitimate friends. And that's just, man, dude, we can never have too many friends. And that's just, that's, that's a huge blessing. So yeah, my, my area, pretty much the U S and again, we're last year, we raised a little over $8.6 million and distributed 2 million books. So, you know, people hear that and they think, man, you must be a huge operation. That's a lot, but we have a pretty small team. Uh, I've got nine mm-hmm. people that report to me in the okay. U.S. Mm-hmm. And I mean, pretty much the U.S. reports to me with the exception we our president who is on our board, okay. uh, takes no salary. Amazing wow. guy. Yeah. yeah. Just a phenomenal human being. Dear, dear friend. But yeah, my my area of focus is the fundraising, the marketing. It's it's growing and helping to provide. I tell people all the time, we're in the parable of the sower business. We just need help buying seed. Right. Right. Uh, so my job is, yeah, when our European team presents their budget and says, here's all the work that we could do, I mean, mm-hmm. here's the requests. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and it's tough, John. I mean, this past year, what they presented for this year's budget was a 58% increase to begin wow. with. Okay. Well, obviously, stepping out in faith is one thing. Being fiscally right. irresponsible is another. So mm-hmm. that's a 
that's tough because I have to say no. And when I, I realize what I'm saying no to, I'm saying no to someone who wants a Bible in their heart language for the first time, who's never had one. And uh, my team knows this sleeps a little. I'm one of these weird people that operates on about four or five hours of sleep a night. Wow. But, you know, so sleep's overrated for me anyway. But man, when I sit in the reality of that, mm-hmm. boy, sleep really becomes <laughs> overrated. It uh, It's tough. I mean, that's our focus. It's pretty mm-hmm. simple. You know, if somebody asks what we do, man, we publish print and distribute Bibles and Bible-based materials, and it's all on requests. So okay. it's not like we're out knocking doors and saying, hey, would you like a Bible? Right. These are requests that are coming in, and it has grown. Our mm-hmm. distribution last year in one year grew 28%. Wow. Okay. If I was a for-profit company, mm-hmm. I would have people lining up and saying, "Man, how do I get involved in this? I, I want, I give me, I want to buy stock." So it is. But you know, as I tell my team, I refuse to believe in a God who's going to open the doors up over there and not open the storehouses up over here. Right. And so, in godlike fashion, we had a twenty-six percent increase in our giving mm-hmm. in one year. Yeah, and great. so, God has been good, but we're mm-hmm. running about ten percent ahead of our 28% increase last year, this year. So (laughs) it's amazing what God is doing. I mean, the requests Mm -hmm. are pouring in. Yeah. Now, uh, the organization is called Eastern European Mission, and my understanding is that it is fairly uh, focused uh, as per its name. So could you tell me some of the countries you guys are are focusing on? I know there's a special connection with Ukraine, and obviously in this uh, time of history, that's part of the world that a lot of people are focused on in general. Uh, So I'd love to just get a little snapshot of what you guys are seeing in the region there. Yeah, John, our original, I mean, we're known as as Eastern European Mission, but we're kind of going by EEM because there are uh, a lot of nations that we work in that aren't Eastern Europe. So when we arrive there, sure. we say, hey, we're with Eastern European yeah. Mission. They look at us and say, well, you took a wrong turn. Yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. um, you obviously, you didn't see a sign somewhere. Mm-hmm. You missed it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, because our distribution point in Kazakhstan is about 170 miles from the Chinese border. So that's that's yeah. definitely Asia if people aren't up on their geography. Yeah. Yeah. So nations we work in, initially the former communist bloc nations, what we would call the former communist bloc nations. So yeah, I spend time in Russia, Ukraine, which is very interesting right now, of course. I was in Russia in 2019 uh, for about two and a half weeks. Beautiful people. Uh, Never been more warmly received from people than I was in Russia. But, you know, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, Hungary, Slovenia, Moldova, I mean, on and on you can go, Bulgaria. Uh, we do a lot of work out of Greece, Croatia, Serbia. So yeah, we've our, our focus. We we do work in Ukraine. We have been in Ukraine. The thing that this is what I would say about Ukraine has been a focus. About this is my twelfth year. So about ten years ago, Ukraine came to us and asked for Bibles for their public schools. Wow. Okay. So we got this request from one region or oblast, or we would call it state, mm-hmm. and they said we need Bibles for our public schools in this region. We thought, wow. Tell us about that. What's yeah. the details there? When they told us, they said, well, we, we offer an elective that we've developed called Christian ethics. And it's based on the Bible, but we can't get Bibles. I mean, there's just no way. We're very, I mean, we're poor in this area. We've developed the curriculum, but without the Bible, it kind of doesn't make sense to do Christian ethics. And we sat down, it was a group of all different denominational faith, you know, every, every tribe. Right. And they said to us, 
we realize the call that we have from God is to bring our nation back to a biblical Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And we know if we're going to do that, the way to do it is through our kids. And we have to set aside all of our differences, all of our traditions, because that's that's all they are. And we have to just teach the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we said, well, man, if that's what you want to do, we're your people. So right before the war broke out, John, we've now put Bibles in over three-fourths of the public schools in the nation of Ukraine. So when people think about this war, don't kid yourself. This is a spiritual war, very much a spiritual war. The Ukrainians don't understand this, but we do. They are the Bible belt for Europe. They are the Bible belt for Europe. And there are other nations that are watching them because as a result of what we're doing there, we're now putting Bibles in the public schools in Hungary, in Croatia, Romania, Bulgaria. I just in May, from May 1st through the 13th, a 13-day trip over in Europe. Supposed to be three countries. When word got out that I was coming, it turned into five countries. Very fast and furious trip. But one of the nations that I spent time in was North Macedonia. Mm. We are completing a two part project there for 450,000 children's Bibles that are going into their public schools. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing what God is doing. And, and, and what I'm seeing there too is the unity, the mm-hmm. absolute unity. It's John 17. It's Jesus' prayer in John 17 being played out right before our eyes. People coming together and saying, you know what? How about we focus on Jesus? There's a novel thought. Let's just just zero in on him and teach and preach the gospel of Jesus. And, you know, it works. Kind of amazing how that works. And so I refuse to be surprised by the increase in requests because the requests are coming from people whose lives have been transformed. And so when your life has truly been transformed, Jesus doesn't have to tell us to go make disciples. We just do it because we love and there's not an option. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to bring my conversation with Dirk to uh, pause here for the first part of this chat. And I hope you've been as encouraged as I was hearing this story of how God's Word is getting out in the classrooms of nations in Europe. So come back and get the second part of my chat with Dirk in the next episode when Dirk will share some more stories and a bit more of his perspective on missions today. Find us online at missionchats.com.